This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone. I'm your guest host, Tom Hudson, and this is Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. Today, I've taken over Bev's chair, and I'm going to talk with her about personal and professional branding. And as a professional, you do have a professional brand, even if the concept of branding makes you feel uncomfortable. We discuss how you can shift your mindset, develop more confidence, and better manage your professional reputation. And we also talk about what leadership means and how you can come across as a leader even if you're just starting your career. Bev, the whole idea of professional branding, personal branding, we hear a lot about that in the news, but I'm not sure people know what it actually is. Can, can you break it down for us? Yes, I think this is a, such an important topic for people as they're thinking about managing their careers and sometimes even their broader relationships. Branding, because it has a commercial feel, I think feels kind of creepy to a lot of people. Right. I, I think there's a sense that having a brand is, is like wearing a mask or doing something fake. But that's not it at all for people who are really serious about thinking about your brand your brand is what sets you apart from everybody else in the eyes of other people. It's what makes you different and special, and it includes some kind of reflection of your skills and what you do. But a brand is is more than that. A, a, a brand is rooted in your values. It is a reflection of how you act, and it also uh, is one step removed from that too. And that's how you project all of those things. If you're a quiet person and you work alone and you are um, sitting alone in a room, and even though you're you're doing uh, kind things online and you're living a life of honesty and courage, your brand doesn't go very wide. And people who might like to know about you and like to know you don't know that. So part of your brand is not just who you are but how you project what you are and what you do. And then finally, I'll, I'll uh, add one more element. And a big part of your brand is how you make other people feel. I'm not sure about that last part. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah. Um, and this is something that people working with commercial brandings started early to understand. And, and, and now, with all the research into um, leadership growth and uh, career management, other people understand it on a, on a personal basis. Think about a brand like Starbucks or Apple. These are really big brands. And they're not just selling their coffee or their hardware. They're selling everything about what they do. So people who are Starbucks fans, when they step into a Starbucks store, 
they're not just going there for the coffee or whatever their favorite beverage is. They're going there because it feels a little bit like home. They can be traveling. They can go to a Starbucks and they'll know what they get. There's a sense of security or maybe there's a sense of neighborhood. Starbucks very consciously has made an effort to make its customers feel good. And it's the same with Apple. If you go into an Apple store, it feels hip and and cool and things look good and service can be fast, or at least somebody comes up to you and talks to you quickly. You feel like you're in a place where things are getting done and people are going to take care of you. So it's not just the hardware or the coffee, the product that people go to, whether they're buying a Coke or are choosing a car. It's because of the aura that surrounds the product that makes them feel good. And so bringing it back to people, you can think about um, maybe a favorite leader or a teacher who just made you feel good at the beginning of a conversation. It wouldn't matter so much about what you're talking about, but they've made you feel good because they listened to you. They were genuinely interested. You could count on them them to be supportive. So part of their brand is how it makes you feel. Do you see what I mean now? Yeah, that that makes sense. Now, let me me ask, uh, would I be correct that everybody has a professional brand, whether they know it or not. If a brand is how they're perceived by others, you know, it, whether it's a positive brand or a negative brand, would everybody have a brand, whether they're cultivating it or not? Absolutely. Everybody has a brand. A brand is how you appear in the workplace or the broader world and how people see you there. And you have a brand no matter what. You can't get out of the fact that you have a brand in the midst of your career. But you can make a choice on how that brand is going to be shaped. If, if If your brand doesn't really reflect your strengths and the things you care about, you might want to step in and change it. Or if you are doing something where you want to have quite a few people know about your skills and activities. You want to spread the word. You want to have a brand which can be seen and heard more broadly. Is there a difference between a professional brand and just a perception? And let me give you an example. Uh, in the workplace, you know who you can count on. You know who gets things done. So the perception is... Sue or Johnny or whomever uh, gets things done. They're no nonsense. They're linear thinkers. Uh, they're not much with the social aspect of the workplace, but by golly, they get things done. Now, is that just a perception or a brand, or are they the same? There's always a degree of perception. There's never, I think, an absolute match between who somebody truly is and what they truly do and how they're seen. I mean, that's just the, the, the nature of how people interact with each other. We're always making judgments, and some of them may not be exactly accurate because we make judgments based on what we happen to see about another person. But if you're conscious of the 
information about you that you want to share or you're conscious of the ways you want to be helpful, you can make an effort to have your strengths, your activities, the things you're interested in seen more clearly. You can make a choice to be more authentic. So a brand, rather than being fake, if you're really doing it well, is noticing what you have to offer and finding ways to make it more visible. And you know, one of the we- ways you get started in branding is to do what ad agencies do and people who are thinking about brands, and, and that's get some feedback. You do a, a, a bit of a market survey and, and you try to see how others see you, which might be in a workplace getting feedback from your boss and your colleagues and get a sense of what you're seen as good at or what your strengths are viewed as. I know you talked about leadership being part of of a brand. Uh, is it always part of a professional brand or just people who are in, uh, say, middle management and up positions? I think everybody tends to look for and at leadership qualities when they're looking at the professionals working around them. People like um, you and I, Tom, who've been working with students and young professionals for many years, feel pretty confident that very quickly we can spot people who are going to step into leadership. They may be interns. They may be college sophomores. But pretty quickly, we can develop a sense of confidence because we've been doing this so long, working with younger professionals. So those leadership characters, characteristics, are things that we're noticing and we're making judgments about, even though uh, somebody may be very early in their career. Like if we're in an office and somebody spills a cup of coffee and the young intern leaps up and says, let me get a napkin right away or um, offers to help or asks an interesting question or does something to, to be supportive of somebody or to address a problem, even if it's small. Those are all ways that leaders behave and people start behaving like leaders early on. So it's... Uh- a way that is in, um, uh, let me rephrase this, is it inherent in the person, that quality, or is it something that can be developed? Because I, I know you've talked in the past about a vision of leadership and sort of becoming your vision. T- talk about you know how one starts in doing this. As research has developed, And uh, people have um, learned a lot more about how amazingly fluid and responsive our brains are. The the common view among people who study these kinds of things is that we can change who we are as leaders, as professionals, as um, people dealing with other people. We can become more like our ideal if we can articulate it and work on it, we can become something tomorrow that's bigger than what we are today. So having a sense of how we'd act as leaders and 
having a list perhaps of the leadership values that are really important to us is a good starting point for moving toward a stronger leadership profile and growing as a leader as, as we continue along the career path. I know that you talk about leadership uh, in multi at, or multiple aspects, let me say it that way. Uh, part of it is the ability to uh, assess a problem. Part of it is the ability to come up with an appropriate solution. And part of it is an ability to lead other people toward that mission. Are all of those factors in a professional brand? And obviously, people aren't good at all of those things. So how did they assess where they stand? Well, when I'm working with a, a client, sometimes what I like to do is start out with a list of the many characteristics that seem to be associated with strong leaders. If you ask people to do an exercise, um, and if you ask like a whole room of people to do an exercise, um, where they think of a leader who they respect and could be their homeroom teacher or it could be President Obama, it could be anybody they know or just admire from afar. If you ask them to think about a leader or maybe several leaders and then write down the characteristics that make those people so strong. The same words appear again and again. If you do that with 100 people, you'll probably end up with fewer than 20 words. You so, mean it's things like uh, positive or, or uh, affirmative? affirmation uh, prone or uh, give us some examples. Well, positive is a really important one. People like working for positive bosses. They like being around positive people and they're attracted to the suggestions that positive people make. So that's very often on the on the top of the list. Uh, another one is is being enthusiastic about the work. If somebody comes in uh, to the office every day and is excited to get started and has great ideas, the energy that kind of person generates turns into sort of a, um, a, a, a leadership practice of its own. People want to be around somebody like that. So enthusiasm is another characteristic. And that's a little different than being positive. Positive is sort of where you are inside and what you exude. You can be come across as positive without saying much, but enthusiasm is maybe the, the next step. Um, I think having an orientation toward service is what uh, many people really value. And, 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 and that means um, there's lots of research that suggests that if you care about your customers and you care about your employees and you treat them with the same degree of service, you're much more likely to be successful than if you take the old view that the customer's always right. Um, having an orientation um, towards service of all the stakeholders around you, and including the broader world, that's a, that's a leadership characteristic. A, a, another one really common is being 
collaborative, being able to work with other people, being able to figure out paths where two people with not exactly the same goals can work together for the greater good. Um, being energetic is is something which is valued in leaders. And one of my personal favors, favorites is um, becoming more popular to the people who sort of study these things. And that's somebody who's always engaged in learning. If you're always looking at new things, making new connections, uh, talking to new people, you're going to be much more likely to be able to guide the group because right. you're going to be seeing the bigger world. All right. As you were going over those, I was I was self-assessing, okay, <laughs> as we always do in these conversations. And, and I'm going, all right, I, I'm good at that. I'm good at that. Uh, boy, I, I really am not very good at that. Uh, that that's not me at all. Uh you know, when I go through that self-assessment or a person goes through that self-assessment and you pick out the things that you're not very good at, what do you do then? Well, I think first you start with your your strengths. And if your strengths are honesty and being service-oriented and listening well and caring for other people and being positive in your attitude, um, that's a great starting point. Even if you're not able to express much enthusiasm, it's just not your style, even if you're kind of a laid-back person who doesn't come across as energetic, there's room for many kinds of leaders, and different leaders do well in different situations. And so that's why I say you start with your vision of leadership. When you're thinking about your brand and you're thinking that being a leader in the room, even if you're not the boss, is part of how you'd like to appear, then think about the leadership attributes that you value and that you want to be more like. And you can have one of those values be something you think you're not good at, like, say, if it's enthusiasm, you can still work on that. You may not excel in your own mind, but having those attributes to act like and this is where the values become so important. You, the first step is being aware of them. And um, then the next step is looking at the list so often that you kind of know what you want to be like. And then the third step is when a situation arises and you say, gosh, this is a situation where I wish I were more enthusiastic. I wish I were an enthusiastic leader. And so my question would be, how would you act if you were that enthusiastic leader? How so, would you act? And so, then I asked you to act like that. So it'd be a modeling. It'd be, yeah. uh, okay, my vision of a positive leader in this particular category would be X. So I try to be X until I become X. Yes, and it's, it's not um, fake it. It's more... Start the journey okay. and act I, like it. Uh, okay. Act I like see. it before you're confident that's really you. Okay. But, but, but again, not faking it because that had come off as a, a falsity in your whole uh, sense of branding. Exactly. I think it's you can be aspirational. You can try to act like somebody who's collaborative to the, as best you can. And the more 
you practice, the more you try, the better you'll get at it. You're trying to act like a collaborative person, and if you practice, increasingly you will be a collaborative person. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Ready to advance your career while accommodating your busy schedule? Central Ohio's only Executive Master of Public Administration program for working professionals can help you. It's conducted by the Ohio University Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at the new Ohio Dublin Center campus. It's affordable and meets just three weekends per semester. No GRE is required for admission. For more information, visit oempa.ohio.edu. Now, let me, let me give you a situation where I assess somebody's brand of leadership and their professional brand, and I see this as a high priority. When someone comes to me with a problem, they've assessed the problem and they have proposed solutions. Here's the problem and here's A, B, and C as options to solve the problem. That person just skyrockets to the top of somebody who I think has positive leadership and positive brand because they have the confidence to bring all of this to me. What I don't want is somebody who just points out problems to me and has no solutions. I generally can see problems. It's not that easy to come up with solutions. Do you see That's, what I'm trying to say? I, I, I do. And I think we're getting at something that often relates to confidence, okay. that part of um, people who have an idea, the kind of professional they want to be, may be able to articulate it to themselves and wish that they could be like that, but they don't have the confidence to act like that. And I think the way you get confidence around something is to act, even if it's in small ways. If you um, want to be more able to um, mix with your colleagues at work, to, to have, make small talk at, before meetings and things like that, but you don't have confidence that you're going to be heard, that people are going to have anything to say, you, you practice and you get over worrying about failure because you're just practicing the steps um, so that you can engage in a learning process. And you know it's a process. So anytime you learn something, if you're learning to play the piano, you know the first notes aren't going to be very good. And it's the same with any kind of leadership skill. So let's say you're this person who wants to be more po polished in conversing at work. Well, you practice. And you practice in little tiny ways so the failures aren't book big. You, you practice with the barista. You practice with your next-door neighbor. You practice with somebody coming out of church. Wherever you see people, you make a little effort. And if you think, oh, I sounded so dumb, you just get over it because 
It's a learning process. So you build your confidence by taking small steps in the direction you want to go. And if it doesn't work out well, you say, well, that's another practice step. And you, you just allow yourself to keep going. So you're your confidence grows with your action. It's very hard to have confidence in abstract. You get confidence by um, maybe falling down and getting up, and you just create an, enough small opportunities for you to practice that, that you develop a strong sense that no matter what happens, if I do fall down, I can get up. And that's what being confident looks like. Before we leave this area, I've got I've got one more uh, observation, and that is... Uh, I see somebody who always wants to learn is generally someone who is comfortable outside of their comfort zone, somebody who wants to push themselves, challenge themselves, take on new problems, and instead of saying, no, I can't do that, well, I'm not expert in that, but I really want to learn about that. Give me a chance. Uh, yeah, uh, so I see those two things combining. I think you're exactly right, and it's something that I think we we need to manage in ourselves as we get older and even as we get more expert. It feels good to be an expert. I mean, remember when you were a judge and yeah. you were in a courtroom and you were the expert, you were the boss. Right. That feels very good, and, and lawyers, I... Uh, when I was a young lawyer and I started to feel like I knew what I was talking about, that felt very good. And so for many of us, if we have a career where we're experts, we start to think, oh, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to like talk about this things. I don't want to venture off in this new direction. And we may want to learn, but, but we're afraid to take the risk of looking foolish. So as we mature in one field, I think the trick for career longevity and career um, enjoyment is that we force ourselves, even if we don't want to, <laughs> to, to keep trying new things. Um, sometimes we just don't feel like getting into, say, technology, um, because we think, ah, oh, you know, it's these other younger people, they know it intuitively. It seems so hard. But we we keep growing and we keep learning because we push ourselves to get started. Then the excitement kicks in and we develop expertise and it's time to push ourselves in another direction. And I know this isn't age-based, but I really get tired of hearing somebody say, well, we did this this way 20 years ago, or you know, we can't do that because we tried this 10 years ago. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear what's today and what's tomorrow and and what new things we we can do i think people sometimes uh really put a negative tone on their brand by not being willing to take that step and and that's the kind of habit that you can become more aware of if you ask somebody you trust to give you feedback that the uh tendency to talk about the good old days tendency to talk about the past, the tendency to complain about the same old things. Those are all um, habits that undercut your brand. And it's easy to slip into that for some people. So being willing to ask somebody you trust to 
notice when you're doing things like that is a way to change how you come across and polish your brand so that you um, can have a, a light shining on the things you're really good at. Uh, just stop undercutting your brand by having kind of habitual speaking patterns or phrases or topics that are, are more negative than you truly are. We always try when you and I talk to give people some easy sort of step-by-step -step things that they can do right away. So uh, let's go through a couple of things that people could start on right away and so they don't feel overwhelmed by all of this. Well, one thing is that if you're wondering about some aspect of yourself, are you? do you come across as negative? Do you come across as not being collaborative? Asking for feedback can be a good way to begin, although it can be intimidating. Uh, so you might be start with some small questions, uh, maybe your public speaking habits, or are you giving your boss what she needs? So Asking for feedback is, is, is one way to start. Another thing that's really simple, and you can begin today, and that's um, thinking about the kind of professional you want to be, the kind of leader you want to be, how you want to come across. You start by looking around you. Who are the people you respect? What is it that makes some people stand out? Why is it that somebody always seems to um, be influential? How is it that they present themselves? So give yourself the assignment of noticing, and maybe even at the end of the day, writing in a journal about what you noticed, who did what, what are the characteristics that seem to work. The, the noticing exercise is one where you give yourself an opportunity to learn, and then the, the next step will be to act a, a little bit more like that. Another thing people can do is, is remember that you have to take responsibility for letting the world know when you do something good. Many of us were raised to be modest and not brag and uh, not talk too much about our achievements, but there are more subtle ways than, than bragging. If you have um, a new um, interest a new expertise, a new technology that you know. You don't have to brag about it. You can look around and see somebody who might benefit from it and say, look, I've been working on this. I think it might be helpful to you here. If you want, we could go to have coffee and I could talk about it and if I could be helpful. So offering to serve people with the expertise, with your strength, that's a great way to project your brand. And and then finally, on... on um, this podcast, we've often talked about social media and LinkedIn. Right. And that's such a basic way in the workplace now. I, uh, I think uh, social media generally and LinkedIn in particular is a way where you can take a little time and write a few sentences and describe what your strengths are. You can change that regularly. It doesn't, you don't have to do it perfect the first time. I think that's a good way to kind of look at how your brand is coming across and refining it so it looks more like what you want. There's also an aspect, am I wrong or am I right, that, that looking the part is important. And that doesn't mean that you have to wear tailored clothing. But you, the, the, your appearance, the way you conduct yourself, 
You know, I, I have so many people that I've talked to over my career who won't give me eye contact, who, you know, have dressed inappropriately for the situation, who, you know, are, are 10 minutes late. Now, 10 minutes isn't a lot, but I don't have 10 minutes to waste. And, and that tells me that the person's disrespectful. So are those things important as well? Yes. I, And that could be, we could have another uh, episode on, right. on those kinds of things, on presence. But, but certainly you want to um, have your brand be on target for where you are, where you work. And you also want your... Um, the, the way you speak, the way you hold your body, the way you make eye contact, you want the signals that you're giving um, to say that you're open to input from other people and you're interested in what they have to say, making it clear that you're listening and that you're treating other people with respect. That's a huge part of your brand. Listening, I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. Listening is part of a brand and not always talking. Sometimes it's just the listening aspect that enhances the brand. Absolutely. Uh, great leaders are often great listeners. Bev, as always, it's a delight to talk with you. You always give me personal tips as well as our audience, so I appreciate that from both standpoints. Thanks, Tom. And I always enjoy it, too. Today, we've been talking with WOUB's own Bev Jones about personal and professional branding. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer, and I'm your guest host, Tom Hodson. If you've enjoyed our program, please tell your friends, and we'd love it if you give us a five-star rating. Thank you.